What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Forever. Dog. On today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, oh boy, it's a heavyweight battle between two films that take place over the course of a single day, or three days if we're splitting hairs, one one to three days. These films take place over the course of one to three days. Representing the art house, it's Chantal Ackerman's 1975 slice of life masterpiece, Jean Dielman, 23, Quai de Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. And representing the mainstream, it's the 1988 action classic, Die Hard, starring Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. Wow. Joe, are you ready? I can't wait. Then roll that theme song. Every week you and I watch two movies together. Well, not quite together because we watch them apart. You at your house and me at mine. Whoa. Every week we watch the same two movies. Oh, movies, 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 movies. But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant, beautiful work of cinematic art, the height of the medium, and the other one is mainstream. I'm talking popcorn, baby, Hollywood endings, but what happens when we watch them back to back and have to say which one? We liked better and we have to be honest. Welcome, welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're going to watch an art house movie and a mainstream movie. And we're going to tell you which one we like better. And the one that we like better is going to go into the canon. And the one we uh, didn't like as much is going to go into the trash canon. And we're not allowed to watch it again for the rest of our lives. That's the premise of this podcast. My name is Brett Bowman. I'm seated across from my co-host, Joe Cilio. Joe, I saw you bobbing your head a little bit this week to the theme song. Is it, uh, is it, is it uh, growing on you? No. I'm in an amazing mood today because we watched two amazing movies. Not even a little bit. Like, it's not. I mean, it's very catchy. The almost uh, unanimous opinion online is that it's very catchy. Oh, it's the unanimous opinion online? That must be fucking the Bible then. Joe, would you say that your life is defined more by routine or spontaneity? Oh, man. I guess routine. It's a pretty routine answer. So I guess it's right. 
I do know you pretty well. I would concur with that answer. You are a man of a kind of formula and structure. Um, spontaneity seems to be uh, almost the enemy of your life. Now, I asked you that question because this week's movies, uh, John Daleman, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, contract that to John Daleman moving forward. It's pretty, you know, to, to make Thanks. it easy. John Daleman and Die Hard uh, both take place over the course of a single day, or at least that's what I was led to believe. Uh, I was led to believe going into this. I saw John Daleman on a list of movies that take place over the course of a single day. It's something you read online. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's not 100% true. In this case, no. Um, it takes place over the course of three nearly identical days. So right. we're sort of splitting, no, it works. splitting it hairs. Works. Here. It I think works. it still don't, works don't worry as a about theme. That. This is per- these two movies paired together like like trout and a, and a butter wine. Like milk and honey, these baby. These movies work together. They should play them back to back at the Alamo Draft House. Now, although they take place over the course of one to three days, uh, they follow two very different characters, uh, one whose life is defined by routine, much mm. like you, Joe, and one whose life is defined by a kind of reckless spontaneity. Is that what you think your like life me. is? <laughs> oh, baby. Every day is an adventure. I yeah. never know what I'm going to get. Okay. Like old Mama Gump said about that box of chocolates. Sure. Every day is, is quite an adventure for this one. Absolutely. Um, before we get started here with our first segment, uh, can I share with you a dirty joke that I wrote down here in my notes? That'd be great. Bruce Willis might not have died hard, but that guy at the end of John Dealman sure did. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, that's also a spoiler. We should we let people know <laughs> that uh, there are going to be some just outright you know, early and often spoilers. Uh, you probably, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is not insulting our audience's intelligence. I'm going to guess that no, our audience is the best. Uh, the majority of people listening to this podcast have probably seen Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, a select few, mm-hmm. um, the 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 cream of the crop, have probably seen John Dealman. Uh, everybody should go watch both of these movies. Absolutely. Uh, but John Dealman, we'll go ahead and say it, uh, and it's what I am dressed as, right, uh, is uh, ends with a, a yeah. murder, yeah. Uh, a murder of a John, uh, in bed. Yeah. Uh, it's post-coital, so maybe he had softened a little bit, but the joke still works, I think, the, the diehard joke. And you thought that that wouldn't clash at all with perhaps maybe everyone thinking that you were addressing as, as diehard for any particular reason? I am wearing, for those uh, who are only listening, you can watch these episodes at foreverdog.plus. Yeah. Sign up at foreverdog.plus to yeah. watch along with us. We dress up like characters from the movies yeah. every week. Uh, as soon as I, um, saw myself, Joe, you're looking phenomenal this week. No, thank um, you so much. And actually so do you and your thing's hilarious. And I think it's hilarious that we both picked, uh, like just like dead losers. That's right. Dead we both, criminals. We both, instead yeah. of dressing like the main <laughs> yeah. characters from I these movies. I could have been Bruce Willis and you could have been, you know, a classic stunning cinema, characters yeah, yeah, yeah. in and cinema history. And instead we both chose dead criminals. That's right. That got absolutely owned by the main characters. Just demolished. Which I think speaks, you know, I think that a lot of people online at this podcast, they like the movies, but they want to know more about like us. Not, you know, not crazy, but they, mm-hmm. like, they're like, what, what are these guys? What are they like? And I think this is this a really interesting insight. And I'm not ready to crack open the, the code here, but I mean, think about that. I could have been John McClane. Yeah. And you could have been, uh, you know, one of cinema's uh, maybe most identifiable Figures, if you're an art house freak. Yeah, simultaneously um, most identifiable and just most upper echelon, out of this world, rare Totally, air, totally unique. Enigma. Totally. Want, like, John Dalman. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to presume. I said, I'll be the dead John at the end that she stabs in the neck with a pair of, I don't think scissors. It was looked like it a hairpin. Was. It looked it like was. a hairpin, maybe. But it, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah a sharp some, object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's a spoiler. Yeah, but I did look as soon as I looked in the mirror, I said, Oh, I, I look an awful lot like John McClane. You look an uh, this awful lot confusing. like John McClane. It's gonna be very confusing. Yeah. Because every week I dress like a character from the art house yeah. uh, film. Joe dresses like a yeah. character from uh, anyway, the mainstream film. Pop on plus, check out our hilarious costumes. You're going to love them. And this week I think is a just a beautiful insight. And we both look dead as a doornail, but that's not how I feel inside, Brett. And Joe, sorry, we didn't mention oh, you are the uh one of the German oh, uh terrorists quotation. I am marks. one of the I'm um, one of the German bank robbers, terrorists. Bank robbers, thank you. Who uh John McLean sends down in an elevator shaft right after uh Hans Gruber says I am complete and totally in control. John McClane pulls an old fast one on him and opening the elevator doors is uh, a dead terrorist wearing a sweater that says, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. I mean, and just is a, a, a fastball in a movie that's just throwing 100 miles per hour. Sick little puppy, John McClane, because he's about to just put him, throw him down in the elevator yeah. to send a message. That sends a message alone, sending yeah. a dead body down. Yeah. But then he looks over, he sees some Christmas decorations. Uh, he says, I want to have a little fun with this. You one. have to fight fire with fire. Yeah. And in hard situations, something you learn in Die Hard is you got to keep it light. You got to keep levity in the situation. You got to have fun with your friends. And we'll talk more about this later. We have yet to tip our hand at all. We are being very complimentary about both of these movies They're, out of the gate. They gates. are incredible films. Everybody yeah. has to watch them. I had never seen Jean Delman, you know, besides just like scrolling nice past it really fast. Whatever, who gives a shit? Pop, scrolling fast it really fast on Twitter and like getting it in five seconds. But that, guess what? That doesn't actually flesh out the whole entire picture of this film, which is brilliant. Man, we we really have a tough decision this week. Uh, I last am it was comically easy. We picked In the Mood for Love over She's Out of My yeah, League. No problem. Couldn't have been easier. Fun little, uh, you know, dunking on the shitty yeah, movie, no celebrating Wong Kar Wai. This week, though, oh boy. I, I will say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say it. I have not yet made up my mind. I am really excited to hash it out with you. There's so many pros and cons. And remember, fans and folks and new listeners, welcome. At the end of the film, we're going to talk about both of them. At the end of the podcast, we're going to decide which film goes in the canon. Mm -hmm. As Brett said in the, in the theme song, the theme song. I, I admit. And which song goes in the trash cannon? Which movie goes in the trash cannon? Thank you. And, the and you're all that, in your head about this theme song. The you're, movie that goes in the that trash theme song owns massive real estate inside your head. <laughs> the movie that goes in the trash cannon, we can never watch again for the rest of our lives. Joe, I can't even with this. I so that means even. for the rest of our lives. Now, can you please pronounce the the movie's name? How do you say it? Jean Dielman. Jean Dielman. And you know, you know, it's so funny. That's definitely not how you pronounce it. And someone's like in their head right now in their car, like that's not. To that person, I apologize. It. I'm doing my best. Yeah, someone, someone, you know, in our, our Belgian fans are spinning right now in their chairs. Okay, so we can that you know, I'm look not to spill hand, but like. Ballsy masterpiece, right? Yes. Brilliant ballsy masterpiece. Yes. Oh, wow. We're really getting into it. Yes. Go Fantastic. ahead. No, go, go, go. Or go. brilliant ballsy masterpiece, Die Hard. Yeah. And, and then we can never watch one of them ever again. And you know what? I will talk about this later. Just a little, a little tip of the hat. Like, we think about all the phases of life, you know, at least I have to mm -hmm, live still. Mm -hmm, yep. Well, you know, like TBD. there are things like it's, you know, you're like, oh, well, you're going to watch Die Hard at Christmas. And it's like, yeah. but you know, oh life is full of so much more than Christmas. Absolutely. And what about those moments when you need to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the movie, but there are so many moments when you might need that film. I'm excited to hash it out with you. It was a key moment for me growing up because it was on TV all the time. And so the thought of not being able to watch it, you know, with my John son Dillman. when he gets old enough. Yeah, John <laughs> Dillman was on TNT every night. Six and a half every night. With the commercials. With the commercials. Yeah. Oh, that left was forever. so long. It was their whole evening block yeah, into, yeah, into, yeah. The, into the night yeah. hour, into the late night hour. Yeah. Um, the thought of not – because, you know, I watched John Dillman first this week. Uh, mm -hmm, and did. I was like, oh, that might be game over right there. That is a hell of a movie. And because I was I like, I've seen Die Hard fucking six I, times. I, I, I know what Die Hard is like. But then I, you know, what we do on this podcast, we are honest. Every week we watch the movies with fresh eyes. 
We don't try to seem pretentious. We don't uh, try to seem anti-pretentious. We erase all our memories of these movies. We watch them with fresh eyes. And watching Die Hard with fresh eyes, I was like, oh, damn. That's a good movie. That's a good movie, too. I don't know what I'm going to do. I had exactly So I'm going to come in experience. here on this podcast. We're going to hash it out live right now. I have not made up my mind yet. Joe's going to give me his pros and cons. I'm going to mm. give him my pros and cons. Mm. And I'm going to let I'm gonna let the, 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 the argument, the conversation speak for itself. And I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you an honest assessment at the end of this movie. And I'm telling you right now, one of these movies is going in the trash cannon. Hell or high water. One of these movies at the end of this is going in the trash cannon. And we can never watch it again for the rest of our lives. But before we get into this week's films, uh, here's a new segment, a new segment uh, called What Did You Say? In which we read our favorite Apple Podcasts reviews. Just gotta let this develop for a second. There we go. What did you say on Apple Podcast? What did you say on Apple Podcast? Uh, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't. That one maybe didn't come out uh, quite as well. Um, I had the first line really locked in, and then after that, I just thought I'd make it up as I went along. Uh, what did you say? Where we look at the last week in Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, let's see what people are saying about our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave us a review, maybe you'll be in this uh, on the show next time we Absolutely. do this Absolutely. Leave us a review. I'm excited to see what the fans think of the program. Hit me oh, with them. All right. This first one is from uh, Trixie Mercury. Trixie Mercury says, so far, so good. Thanks, Trixie. So far, so good. From the conceit of the show to the episodes themselves, this is as fun to hear slash watch as Brett obviously has singing that theme. I absolutely oh, no. love seeing him sing directly into the camera. Yeah, a real sight to behold. Never change, Brett. <laughs> Joe is reading it off the phone and can confirm. I also, okay, what's the next? What did I say? Consensus online. And there's your consensus. What? I also really love the friction between Joe and Brett. At times it's hysterical, and at other times it's almost heartbreaking. <laughs> I hope they don't break up. I love their costumes, enthusiasm, Thank and you, passion Trixie. for cinema, and I look forward to more. That was a really nice review. I love it. And if Trixie, if you love the theme song, well then, well then, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I got to reconsider. Let's see what other people say. Thank you, Trixie. Next up. Good talking guys. Another five okay. star review. This is from Kaylee. Kaylee says, Brett is a nasty little piggy. Mm -hmm. Joe is fine. Uh, the next review is just called Film School. Film School. I like where this is going. This is from Max Beasley, friend of the show, Max Beasley. Oh, this podcast is a lot like going to film school, minus the crippling debt and the cougar professor who keeps asking you for, quote, a ride home. I say that this podcast is like film school because just like my classmates at film school, it's very apparent that both hosts have never had sex. <laughs> Brett says but he has a one. Right? But five stars, right? Okay, okay, five stars. Okay, good. So good. Well, you say say what fine. you want. Okay. Uh, Brett says he has a wife and baby. I'll believe yeah, it when I see it. Fair. Uh, what do they, quote, go to a different school? That's funny. That's a good one. Uh, Joe maybe has had sex before, but if he has, mm -hmm. it was uh, uh, it was soaking, and yep. soaking doesn't count. <laughs> no lies detected. No lies detected. This review's good, too. What else you got Anyways, the podcast is good if you want to hear two white guys in their 30s. Thank yeah. you for saying I'm in my 30s. I am for another <laughs> few months. Talk about Bergman and Wong Kar Wai. The podcast yep. is not so good if you want to hear two guys who have had sex before talk about Bergman and Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> <laughs> or should I say Wong Kar Wai? Uh, and he spelled Y like Y. Oh, like, why would you be listening this to this? This is great. This um, is perfect. 
Yeah, I agree with all this. This is all true. Uh, all kidding aside, you love it when they make that turn. Oh, Brett and Joe in the show are lovely. Must oh. listen for fans of comedy, film, or Aww. fans of comedy and film who are also virgins. Got that one last, li- one last uh, little that. thing in there. I, I love it. that. Uh, excellent Thank you. reviews. Write them, write guys. Write the reviews. Write them. Tr- Look, this show is all about honesty. Write them honest. You know, you want to give us a. You want to give us three stars? Give us three stars. You want your review to be read on the podcast? Go ahead and give us five stars. And that was What Would You Say? Going to give this one more shot. Here it goes. Here it comes. What did you say? I like this one. That's good. All right. You like that one? That one's good. Okay. I almost said What Would You Say, which is the actual title of the song. Uh Got, got real in my head on that one. Uh, maybe just, I love that one. All right, well, get on board with my theme songs. What I'll be more confident with them. Say? I can do that one. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. First, the bad news SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's get on to the movies. Uh, this week, uh, we've said it before, we're talking about uh, Jean Dalemen and Ugh. Die Hard. Uh, the common thread here being that they take place over the course of one day, uh, one day uh, but also three days in the case of Jean Dalemen. They take place over the course of a very small amount of time. Uh, <laughs> and we've already talked <laughs> about the premise third of this episode. Podcast. We can't even fucking do it good. <laughs> we, we didn't run out of movies yet. All right, go ahead. Let's kick this week off with the art house film, Jean Dalemen. Okay. Uh, Jean Dalemen was, uh, uh, came out in 1970. 19- 75. It was directed by Chantal Ackerman. Uh, director of photography was Bobette Ma- uh, Mangolt uh, and starred uh, Delphine Seyrig. Uh, this is a Belgian film. Uh, Ackerman had already at this point established herself as a major director uh, the year prior in 1974 with uh, Je Tout Il Elle. Uh, and she it. applied for a grant from the Belgian government to make her next film, which became Jean Dielman. Uh The government gave her $120,000 and she shot it in five weeks. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. The government paid for this movie? This movie was made on a government stipend. In you know, in Europe they they do that. But I was wondering last night, how in the world did she get mm-hmm. this funded? Not because it's not brilliant, but because like how in the world did you get this no, funded? Right. No, yeah, this yeah, would be yeah. a very difficult movie How'd to sell to sell investors. You know, we talked last Crazy. week about how hard it was for Wong Kar Wei to get investment for In the Mood for Love. So so I'm sorry. So she had a successful film and this was sort of her like here this is her 
She had a okay. critical success. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Financial success never really seemed to be an issue. But they only gave her a hundred. I mean, I guess in nineteen, but still, okay. So they gave her one hundred sixty thousand Belgian. Yeah, I mean, the Belgian government's not financing Die Hard, but they'll give you one hundred twenty thousand dollars to make your three and a half hour, you know, slice of life. Great, cool. Uh, All right, masterpiece. As they should. With, That's you know, freaking cool. With eight shots in it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and unlike last week's film, In the Mood for Love, it, uh, this one was recognized immediately as a masterpiece uh, and a major work of feminist cinema. Uh, its reputation has only grown in the years since. In 2012, the film was ranked 35th on Sight and Sound's critic polls of the 100 greatest films of all time. No way. All time. It came in at mean, number good. 35. I was feeling that. Okay. That's nice. Well done, critics. Well done. Uh, Joe, please summarize John Dealman in 60 seconds or less while I get the clock up. It'll give you some time to think. And starting now. This movie is about a prostitute who cleans her house for three and a half hours. 50 seconds left. She's a single mother. And she kills a John. 40 seconds left. She made veal cutlet. And I thought it was just the biggest, flattest piece of chicken I've ever seen in my life. And then eventually, later on, I looked it up what she was making, and it was veal cutlet. And I was like, oh, okay. She made a cup. Of, she remade a cup of coffee for about fifteen minutes. This movie is the best. Twenty seconds left. She sends her son off to school. Weird son, but but you know, weird situation. I love the speech about how after the war everything was weird, and that's why I had sex with your ugly dad. Five seconds left. And she goes shopping. And that's time. That was, in fairness, do what you think. I mean, that is what happened. That I, 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 that's, that's everything. I appreciate your summary because it felt like it was in the spirit of the movie. Thank you. Uh, which uh, defies, you know, traditional plot structures, defies what a film is supposed to do in terms of plot and in terms of content. It is really operating on its own level with absolute conviction. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I thought that that was a good I, I liked your sort of gentle mockery of the concept that this film could even be summarized in 60 seconds or that any film of worth uh, should should be truncated into something as, as hackneyed as a 60 second summary. That's really just for the listeners at home who might not have seen the movie. But I think you did. You know, thank you. You did give them enough to go on. Thank you. Um, where do you want to start with Jean Dielman? I want to start with what you just spoke about, how it's a complete and total um, anomaly of a film. Uh, it, and unlike Die Hard, which is probably, as far as Hollywood movies go, the beat for beat, you know, perfection of a Hollywood blockbuster. Right. Uh, scene for scene arc, you know, that's that's perfect, you know, screenwriting. Um, Every, uh, yeah, I feel but, like that's the screenwriting professor's dream. Exactly. That's the they, script, they, that script they, they give you on day one. They teach and say, look, yes. page 30, this happens. Mm -hmm. Page 60, this happens. I think that because of the total, so the to let's talk about it. So the, the total deconstruction of a plot, this movie is about, like I said, there the, we, you watch this woman in real time go about her day and do her chores, errands, work, and familial obligations, and she is fastidious in her cleaning. Um, she is thoughtful in her execution of her daily tasks, and she is um, morbidly lonely in a painful, uh, harrowing sort of way. But in no way, shape, or form is this movie dull or boring. And so you're thinking, okay, Joe. So you, she does move. She 
I found the movie not to be dull or boring. And I didn't think that like, oh, it's good because it's dull and boring, like the white ribbon or something. No, it's not like that at all. I actually found it rather riveting. I think when when you watch an actor actually do something for real, there's something really engaging about it. And I think that Chantal Ackerman sets this up to be mysterious and interesting enough to pull you along. I think that the fact that not only is she a single mother, not only is she a you know, housewife, you know, stuck in the a machine of being a housewife and it's just sort of like a prison. But the element of that she is a sex worker is so fascinating. And I found it really surprising. I didn't know that going in. And it really uh, creates this sort of tension. I didn't know how it would pay off in act three necessarily, but I guess I sort of knew like at a certain point, something in this movie is going, is she going to snap? Is she going to do a mother courage scream? Is she going to burst into tears kind of waiting? Or is, or is Chantel just going to kind of like let us, you know, have nothing, which also would have been, you know, great. Mm-hmm. And but what she chose is rather fitting. And I don't think uh, at the end of the movie she is raped by her John. Let's say she did not. It didn't. She was raped, right? This is very interesting. Okay, because I so I'll say one thing that I actually really liked about the movie is a on one viewing and b being a man. I felt I feel largely unequipped to like fully comprehend this movie. Fine. And I like that about it. Um I I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of things I'm still thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh I there's some things that I read that I'm kind of mulling over. So I'm going to I'm going to sort of go through my analysis of this film largely through questions and through kind of open-ended questions. The first being these there are there are things that interrupt the routine throughout the movie. That's kind of this this slow gathering of interruptions to her routine. And the routine is is like Joe said, is shown to us in such detail and over such um, over these long scenes that you you become sort of one with her life in a way. You are living alongside her almost oh. in real time. Um, and so that when these interruptions come, uh, they are they're they're noticeable, and the change in her behavior is is subtly noticeable. Uh, so one of the main interruptions, I'm not gonna lie, I also thought based on the way it was acted at the very in the final scene, I thought she was being raped, and I think we should provide a trigger warning here for rape and sexual assault. Uh, not because that's what the film is ultimately portraying necessarily, but because we are considering that possibility, we're talking about it, and because there is an element of struggle and conflict in that final sex scene, which we're going to show you parts of if you're watching along with us. Now, that being said, based on what I've read about the movie, the struggle and conflict that we're seeing in that final scene, the the intent of that is not because she's being raped, but because She's having an orgasm, her second orgasm in the movie. Uh, the first one was with the second client. And these orgasms, they're the first orgasms she's had in her life or in a long time. And the ways in which these orgasms interrupt the carefully constructed routine of her life, the first orgasm, for example, causes her to take longer with that second client and then she burns her potatoes for dinner. This inspires her to rebel against the orgasms or what the orgasms represent and against the third client or what the third client represents as a way of reestablishing control over her life. That's what I've read. I am fascinated by the orgasm angle because it throws a lot of my interpretations of the movie for a loop uh, and I think demands you to have a a more nuanced view of what the film means. Um, 
in particular, I think a, I think the orgasm is meant to be read as an analogy, as some kind of metaphor. I don't okay. think it's literally like. Sorry. So what's the yes. source on this? Chantal Ackerman? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's okay. definitive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything is so fucking subtle and you're Ugh. not. Nothing is is told to you. Everything is. Everything has to be interpreted based on these little minute changes. I mean, that's why you, you, I think you get day one. Okay. Um, and it's very important that. I mean, we, we made light of it earlier. It is very important that there's three days because you have day one is mm. status quo, right? Mm. Day one is the routine, which she mm. presumably has doing for has been doing for a very long time because she has it down. Mm. Day two, there's this little interruption in the routine because we see her afterwards, after she has the appointment with the John, she does react a little differently day two. She's a little more sort of, there's like she's sort of a, a little more wobbly. She's a little more – seems a little more distracted. Um, and then that's when the potatoes burn and then that's the beginning the beginning of this big change that climaxes in at the end of day three with the murder of the next John. Um, so when you go back and, and, and watch it with that interpretation, uh, it – it works, but it does change. It does change what I thought was happening on my yeah, initial view. But but yeah. I will say also though that it doesn't. Um, it does it, though. It's an interesting way to assess or view the film. These are little tiny nodes in a three and a half hour absolutely you know, uh, painting, and all of the subtleties and nuances of her changing day to day are still powerful, recognizable, and supremely interesting. Despite the fact whether you interpret it as her orgasms are leading to her destruction, which seems you know, but I'm interested in. I'm not like some you know whatever. But I I, I also um or, or liberation. If it was, you know, was it destruction or liberation? You know, TBD. I, th I, I thought that was I weird. had like a very like I thought I had a, a a sort of I thought I had the this very clean structural feminist yeah. reading of the film. Okay, and then the orgasm angle threw me for a loop a little bit, but I like that because I think now I think even the the assumption that I had like fully comprehended the film on one viewing no. was a little uh, was a little presumptuous on my part. I yeah I. Yeah, I agree totally i don't presume to completely totally understand the film but i will tell you that those um despite her being a prostitute being very interesting and le like kind of getting me engaged and sort of wanting to know more because it's such an interesting job for her yeah. to have in the movie yeah. um it, that's not why i um that wasn't like the thing that made this movie for me i really enjoyed all of the um chores can, let's, can talk, uh, can, let's start there. Yeah, let's start there. Okay. Let's look at a clip. Thank um, you. Let's start with uh, at ten thirty, because I I think um, there there's another popular reading of the film that says that Ackerman is depicting all these chores and tasks in real time to demonstrate the drudgery of them, the patriarchal oppressiveness of them. Uh, but that's that's it just seems oversimplified to me based on what it feels like when you're actually watching the movie. That feels like an explan an explanation that, that 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 took on a life of its own outside the movie um in critical discourse whereas when you're watching the movie when you're watching these scenes it's something different is going on. And Ackerman even said in an interview I watched um, that, quote, I made this film to give all these actions that are typically devalued a life on film. A life on film. And she went on to say that her goal was to make you see the person doing the task, which is, is a very different thing from criticizing the task itself, I think. 
Uh, and we're going to take a look now at the scene in which he, uh, in which Jean takes a bath and then sets the table, uh, which are both essential parts of her daily routine. There's a strange little European 1975 bath where she sort of sits on the tub of the floor, ass naked, and then just sort of splashes water on herself and like scrubs her feet, which I found to be uncomfortable, like not how I would take a bath. Sort of one of and this more is, luxury based, and bath. this is after after she's taken the bath, she then immediately scrubs the the uh, bath clean. I, I am so jealous of how clean her house is and how much care she takes. And I was thinking, okay, you can play the clip, Brian. Sorry, yeah, let's I'm go ahead trying. and uh, let's start here, and then we can just sort of talk over this. Thanks, um, because yeah, it's just going to be a long chore with no dialogue. That's, so we can kind of talk over this okay, as cool. we just, uh, continue to discuss the movie. So I was thinking, like. You know, before cell phones, everyone had plenty of time to, like, clean their tub after a bath. I feel like now, if this movie was made, she would just be like, you know, she would just go onto her couch and stare at her phone for three and a half hours and not really clean her house. But she takes so much care and detail into the cleanliness of her house, putting away her tablecloths, washing her bath, cleaning out, you know, dusting the cupboard. Man, when she dusted the cupboard, I was like, that was just so intense. What do you? What what was your favorite chore of hers? I mean, we watched her do so many chores, and I delighted in each and every one. I would scream to my wife in the other room. Now she's going to the bank, and I and I I would gleefully say, I just watched her stand in line at the bank for like four minutes, and I was in the 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 chutzpah of this film to make me watch her do all these chores, and for this wonderful actor to do these chores so one hundred percent truthfully so engagingly just made this film like a a a a piling up of delight i loved how chantal ackerman has the 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 gall to make us watch her do all these chores and it literally i was laughing out loud i was like oh my god and now she's going to look now she's going to put out the placemats oh i loved watching her now she's going to plate the chicken or plate the potatoes oh i loved watching her make coffee i loved watching her make dinner i could could watch this actor do Anything and I did for three and a half hours after an insanely long day and a whole entire dinner with my in-laws And it was like 1030 and I had to sit down because Brett made me watch this three and a half hour long Belgian film And I was so mad, but wow, I was wrong Brett. You were so right I love how she puts the little towel on the bed before she has sex with the Johns And then she takes the towel rolls up the towel afterwards and smooths out the bed I want to I kind of want to be more like her minus minus the murder um, and minus the sadness because my house Though pretty clean, like it's a regular house that people live in, so you know it gets dirty fast. Not if not if Jean Delman lived there. Now, as we're watching this, what you you refer to her a couple times as sad as lonely. There's a lot of the hallmarks of sadness and loneliness, um, mm-hmm. but what ultimately you think defines her as sad or lonely? Because I I kept That's wanting fire. to. There's a lot of sort of. Again, a lot of the hallmarks of it, but I don't know if there's that central core of, of sort of sadness and loneliness. I, that's, to her. Uh, that's a great point. There's also like a strange version of pride in the upkeep of her house. But the reason I isolated the loneliness and the sadness is because this actor is good at acting. And yeah. so because she doesn't go, and because she doesn't cry when she's making veal cutlet, like somebody would the day where she just gets so sad over the veal cutlet, yeah. or she just very gently and carefully murders somebody in her bed. And then at the last scene, when she's covered in blood, sitting at the table in the darkness, and she's still not emoting, I think that that emotional sort of prison was sort of sad. I also think that just generally, not to be so freaking basic about the whole entire thing, but 
you know, she never suggested this, this wasn't the life that she wanted. In fact, she said she wanted to raise a son and that she was raising a son. And she never complained about her situation in life, station in life. She never even complained about being a single mother. She's very matter of fact. She's very matter about of the fact. the fact that her life has more or less but gone the I, way that she I, wanted it to. I know. And, you know, I think that in that matter of factness, though, there was these tinges of regret. And, you know, maybe it's just the beauty, though, of also sitting with yourself and watching a three and a half hour long movie where you can just and, and with an actor giving you so to uh, nothing is not what she gives to get an actor who's giving so much um, focus on her on her activity that you just, you know, you sit with yourself. And, well, and that's where I think. Uh, yeah, and that's I, where I, if I, I wonder I, where the loneliness no, that, is coming that, from. One hundred fifty percent. And that's what's so beautiful about the yes. movie is yes. watching her make Veal Cutlet. I was like, she loves this. She hates this. She's sad. She's lonely. She's fine. Yeah. She's yeah. happier like this way. She's and then I am just on this like roller coaster watching this, uh, this woman do her chores. But you're so right. That could be totally me projecting. There, there is, there is. She, it, she does not frown, complain, moan. Ma. She does murder somebody at the end, which would suggest to me. But you're, t- you're telling me that Chantal Ackerman says it's because she had, she had an orgasm. But what I'm just saying is maybe it's because her life stinks and she just sort of snapped because in from my viewing of it, uh, she is taken advantage of in that last scene. But, uh, you know, who obviously believes Chantal Ackerman, not me. I'm just telling you as me. I, this movie's about being honest. Well, we have to, just like, honestly, yes. that's, what, that's what I was watching. We have it. to build and towards it, the right. end. We have to build sort of step by step toward the ending to make sense of it, I think. Yeah, so I will right. say to, to start with, the, I mean, what you're bringing up is very close to that conversation she has with her son, where her son is more of a romantic. Her son is a little more emotional, hard on his sleeve, and is trying to okay. pull emotions out of her, is trying to get her to admit. He's like cajoling her every night. Right? Yes. Um, which I understand. You know, he, he wants to know more about his father. He wants to know more about their romance. He wants to know yeah. more about you know, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, a romantic entanglement between a man and a woman. He wants these stories. He wants these myths and narratives to believe in as he's getting older, as he's a, you know, okay. a teenager, he's starting to go on dates, et cetera, et cetera. And she really doesn't give him any of that. Everything she says is very that. matter She's of fact. So funny. These are the facts of how your father and I met. Yeah. These are the the combination of uh, social factors and familial pressures and personal decisions I made that resulted in our marriage and your birth. Um, And we should say, too, the husband's been dead for about six years at this point. Um, She's very matter of fact that she won't give him what he wants, um, which is kind of an emotional narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the very end, he he tries to kind of uh, interpret what the emotional narrative might be. And then she says, how could you know that you're not a woman? Right. And then slams basically slams the door on him and goes and 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 goes to her bedroom. Um so I think there is this film revels in its in its inscrutability, I think, in the the main character's inscrutability. And it does, I think, it, it's sort of um playing with your expectations of what is going on inside of the person or playing with your interpretations. And I think, you know, in that scene we just saw where she's doing chores. Um, there's some sort of it's about watching. It's about what you do when you're watching and what you do when you're watching a movie and what you bring to the to, to watching a movie. Um, yeah. And it's it, it's in a way, I think, kind of mocking the viewer, or mocking the viewer's expectations where it's you want to read into her interiority. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it is the purest form of interiority, which is an unknowable interiority. It's a, it's a totally unknowable interiority. I love um, that. And you can she, never quite get at it. Yeah. She's not uh, performing for anybody because there's not a camera there because this is, this is very hyper-realistic, which is so uh, um, simultaneously affecting and 
you know, dissociative for the viewer. But Brett, sorry. Please. But the reason she's sad and lonely, I think, is because at the end, you know, she murders somebody. And so are you trying to tell me and just yes, please so t- let's t- start I'm sorry, to tell me again, start, really, yes. really, really quick. You're telling me I'm because still, she had an orgasm. I'm still working through all this because in my head. she had an orgasm. She burns potatoes. So she's never had an orgasm. Like, what are you talking about? So so she has an orgasm. So she burns potatoes and her day goes to shit. And then in the third in the very end of the movie, you're telling me she has another orgasm. That's what that scene was. And then she, that that orgasm led her to murder. And then she's not sad and lonely. Like, what are you talking about? This movie is about somebody who is um, going through it, but she has pride and is an adult. So you don't see it when she's cleaning her bathtub. And then um, at a certain point, she someone pushes uh, the wrong button is for my interpretation, just watching it last night, you know, just putting it mildly and then um, and then murders him justifiably because he uh, took advantage of her. Look, I'm not going to say that we that's what I mean. That's we, like, I mean, this movie what, is I, movies yeah. very open for interpretation. Yeah. So and, I'm not going to say you can't have your own interpretation of it. Let me, though, read from something that Ackerman yeah, said. In thank interview. you. Yeah. So Ackerman has said in interviews that uh, that Jean had her first orgasm ever with her second client on day two. The one that must her hair. The must thing. Well, watch this. If you notice, her hair is yeah. must. So uh, first which orgasm we know, ever. First orgasm. That's yeah, what Ackerman said. Directors are so awesome when they talk about their own work. Okay. Yes. Crazy. But again, that's why I think it's meant to be read as a metaphor. It's not meant to be read literally. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be met, read as uh, and we're going to as a kind of agent of chaos. So okay. it must her hair and caused her to burn the potatoes. Ackerman posits that for Jean, the lack of orgasm helped her maintain the order of her life. Quote, her rituals keep her together. Uh, and apparently you're not alone here. Uh, the, the lead actor, Delphine Seyrig, who plays Gene, had trouble understanding such a point of view, reasoning that once you've had one orgasm, when you want more, uh, Ackerman responds. But I think she never lived in that world. Um, so, again, this movie is very open to interpretation. That is that is what Ackerman intended, though, is that orgasm, I think, more as a as a device, as a metaphorical yeah. device yeah. Than, a, than a literal kind of fact. If we go along with the Ackerman interpretation, then. Okay. The movie is about ultimately is about control and and agency, ha- having control okay. and agency of your own life. That what that, 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 that's what's taken away from her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you can even read the, the murder of the John metaphorically. Um, you know, it, you can kind of start to, to sort of plug these things in as metaphors and not as literal facts. Um, or you can read the movie literally. I mean, I, I think both interpretations are valid. Um, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm having read this. I can't, I can't go, I can't return back from this. I'm, I'm committed to the orgasm this. interpretation because it's the one Ackerman, you know, said she intended. What it was, was different. And people try to do different all the time and people do different and it succeeds. People, this movie is completely and totally unique. I think I'm sure there's other movies where people try to pull something like this off. I, I can't think of, a. Um, something unless you can remind me where someone pulls off something quite so dramatically. Um, I don't even know what the right word is. I mean, um, the, the length combined yeah. oh with the fact, I mean, she's also referred to it as a Greek tragedy, in which nothing happens. That was another way Ackerman described the movie. That's how um, it feels. This movie is fantastic. I, Sometimes, you know, in act three, when her routine was shaken a little bit, or we got a shot of a couch that, she had never framed that way before. It was as exciting as John McClane throwing C4 yeah. down the elevator shaft. Like, and, and I, and really honestly, when I clicked this movie on and it was three and a half hours long, my first thought was like, Oh my God. Oh sure. Of course. And then 10 minutes in, I'm like, she's not going to clean her whole house for the fucking three and a half hours. Is she? And then I was like, Oh my God, she is. And then very quickly I was absolutely, absolutely won over. It's an indescribable movie. I may never be able to watch it again. I very well might, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, 
and and loves movies this is a this is a real one folks this is a real one check this one out it's truly truly unique and can i talk a little bit about how i watched this movie please okay so i'm gonna be honest Mm -hmm. i had to watch this movie but i also had to you know do some chores literally i got done dinner last night with my in-laws kind of late and it was like 10 30 and i was like fuck me i like i want to do dishes i want to do laundry so i sort of started you know do and i put it on my ipad you know Chantal Ackerman you know rolling over in her grave mm-hmm. i don't know and i was like this isn't how this movie's supposed to be viewed i need to watch this movie in a movie theater and i need to focus on every little day. and I, this i shouldn't be like cleaning dishes and looking at the ipad and i shouldn't be like you know walking my ipad outside to sit down for 10 minutes and, and i was like wait no you know what this is the this is how people watch movies and this is how i'm watching this movie and it didn't detract any of that and i kind of loved living my little life right alongside, alongside her. John, I really kind of got comfort out of it. It kind of reminded me of listening to a podcast and it was better than a podcast. You know, sort of the, the podcast, sort of the the voices in your head while you garden or do your chores or drive to work. And I just kind of, I was happy to be next to Jean. I was like smiling and laughing at, at her next steps and my next steps. And I felt really close with her. And uh, and I thought the movie was a, was a total a total thrill. And I also think that you don't, you know, you know how we talked about, oh, we're not trying to be pretentious and Tom wants us to remember we're Philly trash and Georgia and, trash and, Georgia trash and all that stuff. Thank you, Tom. And I was, and I, I just, you know, I was putting so much pressure on myself. Like, no, movies are watched when you're sitting in a movie theater and they're projected on, you know, 70 millimeter. And then you're, you're hundred percent focused and you're just like stone cold sober. And that's what movie, who watches a movie like that? A fucking psychopath. Sometimes you just got to watch a great movie and you just got to walk around your house and, and do chores and stuff. And I, I love this movie um, all the same. Now, if I had sat down and watched it for three and a half hours, which I kind of did, I think I would have liked it just as much. But I just want to kind of let our, me off the hook and you off the hook, everyone off the hook. I feel like I put so much pressure on myself. Like this is how art is supposed to be viewed. And um, if I was a little, if I just like got out of my own way and just tossed on some more freaking Criterion movies while I was doing the dishes, I might be, I might be a much happier guy. I watched it. It took me about six hours to get through it okay. because I did. I had to watch it uh, late at night. We're on a little bit of a time crunch this week's recording schedule. We had a yeah. We'll get there in a second. Um. So I, uh, it took me. I, I watched it. Start, I started at about nine o'clock. And then I did not fully finish into about 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple times I – and this had nothing to do. This was just, you know, I, my body would not stay up. But I did fall asleep a couple times during the movie. But then I would wake up and I would go back to where uh, I last remembered and then I would keep watching it. And I actually found to go along with that, your interpretation, I actually found that that was a very interesting way to watch the movie. And mm-hmm. I got a lot out of it because, again, I felt like I was – this act of particularly taking place over the course of three days, I felt like I was going to sleep and waking up, and then there was a new day to watch in in, in Gene's life, and then I go to sleep again, and I wake up, and there's another day to watch. So that is no commentary on the movie whatsoever, no, and no. I dare you to say that it interfered with my you know interpretation or that I didn't watch it. That's just you know, authentically That's because just I was falling asleep. The, I fall asleep. I'm a person. I'm yes, an older right, person. Right. Right. We're. Uh, uh, thank you so much. And that's just how movies are watched sometimes. It, and guess what? This is just this movie's a freaking A. I, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely. Let's watch some more scenes here. Um let's uh you know what? Let's just fuck it. Let's just watch her at the bar, literally doing nothing. Uh this is at an mm-hmm. uh, an hour and thirty minutes, an hour and thirty minutes. She goes to this bar once or twice throughout the um, movie. It's part of her kind of daily routine. Green is a very I mean, it, it, as conservative as it is in its like 
compositions, yeah. right? The, the the camera never moves. It is literally every single shot is stationary. So the camera beautiful. doesn't move once. Long stationary shots that characters walk in and out of. Um, there are some aesthetic choices, though. Um, the use of green is one that I noticed a lot. We'll look at some, I have some uh, uh, some screenshots of green throughout the movie. Um, but the walls of her apartment are green. Uh, her uh, The ceramic wall of her bath uh, bathroom is green. And then now she's wearing this green jacket. Um, I love it. I, I resisted really interpreting it too much beyond just this nice aesthetic touch. I, I kind of didn't want to go farther than that because I felt oh, like... Like green's supposed to be something? Right, no, I didn't like that at all. I didn't want to go further than just I liked... The look, the it just if anything, it just reinforced uh, sure jeans. This, I think it just reinforced jeans' uh, uh, consistency and the this the control she has of her own life. I mean, look how look how structured she is with her chores. You you telling me she's not going to have like a color scheme at work? Yeah, of course right. she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, I, I, everything she's, she's thought about everything in her house. I loved how she yeah. had, she had no waste in her house. She yes. used all the things that she owned. And she knew where to put them and how to clean them and how to use them. Yes. I was shocked. And she turns the lights off every time she leaves that, the that room. Was and crazy. she turns it back on when she enters the room. She is a master of efficiency and, and control. No, I think she's a, at the fucking top of the mountain. I love that. I, I really is. think that's I cool. Think I think is, she's cool yeah. as hell. I just think that everybody's sad and lonely. Well, yeah. But that's again, again I think that's I think that's you pure, projecting onto interiority, fine. onto onto oh. a a interiority that's so deep inside fine. her you're never gonna get at it. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't deduce the orgasm reading like you. I didn't deduce it. I, I, I had to read about it. Okay, so for, for the listeners at home, she's just drinking a cup of coffee at a bar. The camera has a cup of coffee. It looks beautiful, and she's cool as hell. And You're just with her. Cool. You are living oh, she life never, okay, She reads her. a newspaper one time. She doesn't do anything. She often just sits there and just sits there and waits for the laundry to be done, sits there for the meatloaf to be cooked, sits there for the thing. It is truly like what must it have and been isn't that like life to be alive? You know how many times I've gone to a coffee shop with a book and I never open the book? I just sit there staring into space. No. I mean, this is. Well, what about like your? You bring a book, but then you just look at your phone the whole entire time. You don't like. It's not like you're just sitting there thinking about your life. You're just on your phone scrolling, like hoping that one person engages with you, two people engage with you on Twitter or something. That's sad, but true. Yeah, I guess that's what I was thinking you're, of as my life. Like my John yeah. Dillman. Yeah. I was I was thinking of of looking at my phone as as doing nothing. As, no, as no, no, sort that of, is yeah. something. Like being constantly yeah. stimulated. Jean, Jean, this she's I can't cool do. To just, no, this nobody I, can. Nobody's ever done this since 1975. Nobody right. has been this self possessed. And how many annoying fucking like academic y sort of bullshit essays do you think have been written about this movie? Five hundred thousand? Oh, infinite, a million. Infinite. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this has to be I think the it just most. Just comes down to this this shot right here. She doesn't need you. You're so desperate to interpret her. She's fine. I just said it. She's fine. She's, she murders somebody tomorrow to get back to her routine. To get back to her routine. She wants to get back to this, to this, to this control and structure I, I and was, consistency. In, in day three, a woman is sitting at that table, and I got so stressed out for her. I fucking hated it for her. Maybe that's why she kills the guy. She was so mad someone took her, her seat at the bar. Yes, it's one thing after another after the first I, orgasm. I, I really hear you on... All right, Brian, we can stop there. Thank the, you. The sad, lonely thing. I don't. That's not really the, the main evocation of the film, and I hope I didn't put that out there. I just, like, imagine because she murdered somebody and because she's lonely and sad the whole entire time that that was sort of the... No, I love it because I yeah. think I think the film, the film tricks you into innumerable sort of personal interpretations that it's not really... <laughs> don't be sad. Don't be... Yeah, like, I can see how like the film is just fucking. Like, we should like, both. This is what wool you, over your eyes. You, you, you didn't, you didn't like this when I said it earlier. But I think 
a real the real power of this movie is it's the way it eludes your interpretations. And I kind of sure. I've go I've gone in circles with it where yeah. I love it. I try to I sort of follow one train of thought and then I hit a dead end and I'm like, no, that doesn't doesn't quite work. It's not doesn't work with everything and this and that. Um so there is for how simple the movie is, man, it really it can it can you can run in circles thinking about it and not really not really get at it. It's and really then the good. whole time Gene is 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 there at the center of it all. Um, I love kind of a sphinx, really sort of, really sort of mocking your attempts to interpret, uh, what might be going on inside her head. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Let's approach the final scene now with all this in mind. Now that we've run ourselves in circles, our initial interpretations, because Joe, I can't stress enough. Yeah. I only knew about the orgasm thing because I read it. I'm not, I'm not like, I didn't, didn't, you know, guess that from the movie. Um, that's it. We're not going to watch the whole thing, are we? Uh, we're going to watch the whole thing. Starts at 30. 30.30. All right, again, the green walls. Yeah, it's just her color coding. I that's all it. it is. It's not like envy. Or I was like, what could the green mean? Envy? What? It, well, that's what the green normally, you know, no, it's no, like, no, no. Yeah, right? she, she just has taste. It's just, it's just, um, it's just, she's just color codes. She's just very precise. And again, that's just the film, I think, mocking you. Like, what does the green mean? What does the green mean? It's The green is yeah. Gene's choice. That's what the green means. It looks good. Fuck off. It looks really good. Uh, Brian, can we zoom ahead to the to the murder? Yeah, right here. Where does the decision happen? Has she already made it, you think? That she's going to kill him? Right around here. Just something just inscrutable in her expression. Just so deep inside herself. Picks a pair of scissors. Out of frame. Walks out of frame. Comes back in the mirror. Stabs him in the neck. No one was expecting it. He wasn't. We weren't. He's bleeding out of his neck. Dies almost immediately. Places the scissors back on the bed. And now we cut to her sitting at her dining room table. And the other major aesthetic choice that Ackerman makes in this movie is these blue lights. Yeah. That, that when everything is dark, these blue lights flash through the window. Cars, maybe? We don't really yeah, know. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. It's like the episode of Seinfeld when Kramer has the big sign outside of his uh, window. That's what, it, that's what it reminded me of. It's... Uh, it's not really anything like that, but it's um, it does really. It's very stirring. Um, just again, just the slightest aesthetic touch in an otherwise straightforward, realist movie. Her hands are covered in blood. This woman hates orgasms so much that upon having a second one, she murdered somebody. That's how much she likes her routine. Yeah, but then I think take that. Take that one figurative step further out of the sto- out of the story. I think there is, um, I think the the orgasm is a is a yeah it's just a interference. It interferes with the way she wants to live her life. And All so right, she well, puts I guess an end to it. Gene and I just like agree to disagree. I don't know if that was necessarily, you know, warranted then. 
seems like she really didn't think this through. If she loves her routine, yep. you know, she might have some court cases, some yep. I know. Thank jail you, Brian. Time. Yeah, nothing's going to disrupt wait, her. Wait, wait, wait. Nothing's going to disrupt, just watched point, her. Brian. Nothing's seen... gonna disrupt the routine like having murdered Hold on, somebody. Hold producer, Brian. Hold Next on. scene is her fastidiously have... rolling him up in a rug. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. We have seen, if anything, what we've seen for the first three hours of this movie demonstrates that if anybody can get rid of a body... It is, and, and clean up a crime scene is Gene. Okay, I like that. Okay. I mean, yeah, no one's, right, no one's ever going no to find a, a yeah, finger yeah, in this guy. I, I, like, right. I like that. Good point. Uh, good good point. Very good point. She's covering all our bases. Yeah. Point will take him, though. Point will take him. I'm telling you, Gene is going to... That, that that body is going to be is going to be gone. It's very nice. Gone, gone. gone. Yeah. All right. Very... Okay, well... Again, you know... There it is. There cool, you know, I I really like the parts where she was like making deal cutlet and going to the bank or whatever. Well, we've really gone, on, we really went on a journey with our interpretation of Jean Dealman. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to think now, but I do know that uh, the movie was fucking great. Are you um, much like the way that the orgasm interferes with her daily routine? I feel like my introduction of yeah. the orgasm argument interfered with your interpretation of the movie yeah. do you hold any uh do you do you hold any resentment towards me um do you uh you know <laughs> would you like to metaphorically kill me right now no 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 are you sure yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. i mean i will say at times you did f- seem a little like kind of upset or kind of i don't know just a little aggravated at you i guess or, or kind of the point of view i was bringing to the table no not at all no none it was very interesting. Okay. I just didn't, you know, go online and get the answers before I took the fucking test. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that that right there felt sort of a sort of confrontational. And how do you and then and then we watched Die Hard. See, look at this. I uh. And then we watched Die Hard. Let's just take a breath before we talk about Die Hard. What? Before we get into Die Hard. Okay. Let's take right, a deep breath. Yeah, okay, a deep breath. For what? Right? I just, I just want, I want to reset before we talk about Die Hard. Okay. Reset what? I'm not mad at you. Okay. That's very interesting. Would you say that you are... This woman so fucking despises orgasm so much that the second guy who gives her one, she murders him. And I'm supposed to go, wow. That's fucking psychotic. Okay, so you're telling me Jean's a fucking psychopath. She loves her routine so much. She loves waking up, putting on the pot of coffee, cleaning the bathtub. What is so your what much. is your what, what is your what is your favorite? You said at the beginning of the, of the show that you are yeah. a man of routine. What is what are some of your favorite rituals and routines? What are the things you depend upon every day? Coming to work. Coming to work. Okay. Yep. I like that. Like my cup of coffee in the morning. You like your cup of coffee in the morning? I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If someone if someone ruins with my routine, yeah, you get a little cranky. Yeah. I'm not gonna murder somebody. It just suggests that perhaps there's a lot more going on in her inner life. But I think just as you can read the the orgasm figuratively, you can read the murder figuratively. I mean, there has to be some. Ackerman chose a very you know visual dramatic way uh, of like of, of dissing orgasms. <laughs> Of regaining control, and it's yeah, a shock yeah, because the movie has been so the movie has been so realistic up until this point. Um, but it's an act of regaining control, not an act of murdering someone because you had an orgasm. That's just that's just the the the, the literal plot level. But I think I think as a, as a I think as a metaphor, it's it's very interesting and I think very relatable. I think if someone if I came over in the morning and I pissed in your coffee, yeah, right. 
Okay. All right. You're comparing. Okay, I don't look. You're you're comparing your orgasms to getting pissed coffee pissed in. Orgasms like a good thing. You're you're you keep so you're it like it's so a bad literal thing. with this though. I'm saying ima- imagine. The I'm or- just telling you what I saw when I watched the movie. Okay. And I'm just saying there's no reason to like hate on orgasms so so much. It's not Chantal ba- Ackerman. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Where are you right now in terms of your in terms of uh, would you say that your opinion, your overall opinion? Because ultimately, yeah. this is all a lot of we get way into the details, yeah, way yeah, into yeah, the yeah. interpretations. But ultimately, you're checking one box. Yep. On that on that old on in that in that ballot <laughs> yeah, yeah, box, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, checking yeah, yeah. one box at the yeah. end. What is what does this conversation do to, to my? Would you say that your yeah. uh, your feelings about Jean Delman have have changed at all over the course of this conversation? No, no, I enjoyed learning more about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love it all the same. Like nothing about this conversation changes how much fun I had last night watching the movie. I love that you had fun. With I had it. so much. I fun. love that. I had so much fun. That is. Uh, I thought it was so fun and it was so awesome. And just I've never really seen anything like it. And I was just like, yeah, thank you. Just just go to the, I love just knit. Just turn the radio on. Well, look, much Just like do the dishes it is great. What a relief. Movies are always like, oh, my God. And this movie was just like, eh, I'm just going to knit a sweater. Much like it's <laughs> it easy to great. much like it's easy to misinterpret Gene. I think it's very easy over the course of these first three episodes of our podcast yeah. to misinterpret you. People online have had various interpretations of your behavior uh-huh. and what kind of person you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, as someone who has known Joe for a long time, uh-huh. This is the first, I think, real true, the truest insight so far into you, into who you are. Pro is orgasm that, is that you had um, your your enjoyment of watching this movie uh. and your enjoyment of its of its uh, of the chores and the kind of uh. slowness of it and the routine of it uh, that you that you did chores alongside the movie as though you yeah. were cosplaying uh, uh, Gene Delman. Um, that's all you need to know about Joe. The rest is just the rest is just set dressing, baby. Yeah, the rest, okay, that's the, the heart of it all. That's the heart of it all. The rest, the is, just, the heart of the rest is just for show. I'm just a guy who enjoys watching Jean Delman do chores, and I don't care about the orgasm or the, the whatever. I don't care about any of that. The next film, Die Hard, uh, came out in 1988. It's a straight up action movie. It was directed by John McTiernan, who also directed Predator, Hunt for Red October. Uh, he's a master of the genre. Screenplay by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza based on the 1970 novel Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. It stars <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of just hard male, male names. Jeb Stewart. Uh, it stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, uh, Alexander Godunov, Bonnie Bedelia, Reginald Vell Johnson, William Atherton, Paul Gleason, Hart Bachner. So many great bang, actors bang, bang. in this thing. Uh, it was made for $35 million by 20th Century Fox. It grossed $140 million, spawned four sequels, video games, merch, etc. You know the story. It's a famous movie. 
Uh, at this point, uh, Willis was a huge TV star, uh, mainly uh, because of the show Moonlighting yeah. with Sybil Shepard. But this was his breakout film role. Really? Uh, went on to become one of the biggest uh, movie stars of the late 80s and 90s. Um, some would say 2000s. Uh, T.Y. Die Hard, Die Hard, Die Hard. We all know what this movie's about. We've seen it a million times. It's always on TV. It's an American classic. Um, what is something, because we watch these movies with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. what's something on this viewing that uh, maybe surprised you a little bit or, or, or took you off guard or you were like, oh, Die Hard, okay. The biggest surprise of the movie is that it's just a legit a winner of a film and I really thought that it, it wasn't going to be that I thought it was going to have been sort of built up or yeah. like in our collective imagination or collective memory just be like more than it was or it was going to kind of grate me in certain ways not that it has elements that are you know not outdated whatever you know not that it's not from 1988 but like this movie w- wasn't good then this movie is good now and it's much better than action movies that come out now um, you know, so the, but the biggest surprise was that this movie is a, a certified winner. I I was like, this is as, and this is humongous for me to say for folks that know me, like this is as like foundational of like a blockbuster film as like your Jurassic Parks. Yes. When I watch this film, I, you know, it, it, it is in that tier of uh, 80s, 90s blockbuster uh, American cinema, you know, movie smash. Yeah. And it really holds up. It is so good. Um, that's what shocked me the most. Yeah, I agree. And I think when we usually think of blockbusters in the Spielberg mold, you do think of your Jaws, your Jurassic Parks. Mm-hmm. They're usually there's usually some sort of like big fantastical central element to it. the 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 real wonder of this movie is that it's it's just um, an action thriller that is just the best action thriller ever. Right. It, so it reminds me a lot of I think what probably happened with with a movie like Casablanca, whereas like in that period in 1942, studios are just churning out movies mm-hmm. like like three mm-hmm. a week. Right. There were so many movies you can find from that time period that are very reminiscent to Casablanca. It's like expats in some European North African locale during the war. And there's a mystery or there's right. a murder or right. there's this right. and that. There was there was there's a hundred other Casablancas. But for some reason the alchemy of Casablanca came together in such a way that it was just the preeminent example of that genre. And that's why I felt about Die Hard is that, is that, you know, why wasn't this just another disposable action thriller? Um, and we'll look at what those elements are and what, and what makes it so good. Let's just kick it off with the opening scene uh, as the, as uh, John McClane's airplane sets down in LA. Uh, this is about 40 seconds. Uh, this scene is usually, you know, um, uh, you know, screenwriters are told to avoid exposition, right? Show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. But this opening scene is just a masterpiece of how to do exposition. You get <laughs> so much information so quickly. The entire um, foundation of this character is given to you in such sort of quick, seamless, funny ways. Um, let's watch. And you can just sort of count as you go along here the different things that you find out about this character. So he's gripping the the armrest very tightly. As they land, the person next to him looks over. You don't like flying, do you? Okay, see Bruce Willis. 
So he's sensitive, but he's sly. After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes. <laughs> he gains people's confidence really easily, Trust just has a natural charisma. Yes, sir. Better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. The guy sees his gun under his jacket. It's okay, I'm a cop. Trust me. I've been doing this for 11 years. All right, we know he's been a cop for 11 years. He pulls a big teddy bear out of the overhead bin, makes hard, sexy eye contact with a stewardess. It's always fun when you find out that, like, Everybody else in the movie also knows that Bruce Willis is hot. It's just not like they're not pretending he's a yeah. normal person. But yeah, every, everybody, yeah. no, everybody in this movie, yeah, they, they look at him and they're like, oh, shit. And he just gets hotter and hotter the more beat up he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he looks good now. Wait till you see him fucking beat the shit. Are you smoking it in the airport? It's fucking cool as With shit. With a teddy bear. <laughs> it's just a giant teddy just bear. Chain smoking. All right, we can stop there. Um, so we just find out, I mean, the entire character is given to you in about a minute. Yep. Uh, in a scene in which there's really no plot, there's no other main characters. All those other characters disappear into their own lives. We don't see them again. Uh, but you just get it all right away. You know this guy immediately. It's great stuff. Bruce Willis really is an interesting leading man in the – I know, you know, in the history of major movie stars. It's not like he's the most handsome guy in the world. But he sure as hell is one of the sexiest. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yes. My God. He is charming, funny, cool, um, rough around the edges in like all the ways you want your movie star to be rough around the edges for a little bit. And I found him to be just really arresting. And they're like, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, no wonder Bruce Willis became a huge movie star. He murders in this movie. He is yeah. amazing. And yeah. so is Alan Rickman. And I think his only, yeah, we'll get to Rickman in a second. I think his only um, equal from that generation is Harrison Ford. I think he's right up there. I mean, Harrison Ford has a couple more iconic roles than I'm, Bruce Willis I'm does. Gonna, but mm. like in terms of just um, their presence, those yeah. two are, are neck and neck okay. for me as as just this this natural charisma, this uh, this this sort of rugged this this thing that just draws you in. Yeah. Everything's a joke to them, but they're not but they're not bad guys. They are also mm -hmm. they have they have the right instincts. Um they want to be good. They're they are ultimately um despite missteps in here, they are ultimately sensitive to to people around them. Um but then they're also sort of they're also sort of dangerous. It's a rugged great and, sexy needle threading of yes, masculinity. That's it. That's it's wonderful. It yes. I do think that Harrison Ford is God tier and Bruce Willis is the next tier because I just think he's like, Harrison Ford for me is just like the Kareem Abdul Jabbar of But of is it stars, only because but, of the roles that they got? Because I would agree. I mean, you know, Blade Runner, Han Solo, Indiana Jones is a very tough trifecta to beat in terms of just like you said, God tier movie yeah. stardom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but if you separate them from their roles, the individual performances to me are are yeah. I, give, I guess I give Harrison Ford a little I'm, edge, but they're closer I'm, than you might think they are. I like that. Bruce very Willis much. is right up there. I, I'm here to celebrate Bruce, so I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna uh, compare do do a hard compare contrast. But in in this film, he certainly is, is making the argument uh, uh, effective, Brett. 
Uh, so let's look at the uh, the uh, other main character in this movie, uh, Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman. I love Rickman. Hans Gruber. Oh my gosh, all time. I love Rickman. All I time love performance. Hans here. Gruber. All time. Let's start with at twenty six fifty. It's so good. This every movie thinks it can do this. Like it's so freaking right. easy to do a Die Hard because it follows the beats of a movie. This movie is like a miracle of action films. Honest one second God. before we watch this. Yeah. Um, uh, so at this point, one thing that surprised me too on on this like fresh watch of the movie um, was you get how, how deep they go into Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis's personal life and his marriage and his real, and their relationship and their dynamic before Rickman even shows up. And it's so well done that there's a, there's a whole movie where Rickman just never shows yeah. up and it's just a movie about their marriage. Yeah. Um, and it cracked me up because there's no, there's no cold open. <laughs> no. There's no like you know. A lot of times in these action movies, I think a mistake they make is they, they, they. There's this this um, impatience to show you how badass the movie's going to be, of and so there's a cold open. Yes. You know, if somebody else directed this, there'd be a cold open of Rickman and his team, um, like you know, killing somebody in in yep. in Prague Tell on a bridge or something. Tell me the code. Yeah, 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 the code's yeah, yeah. in you know L A. Right right? right, right, right. They don't or, do that. Or Bruce Willis like doing a. a a cool right. cop or Bruce thing. Willis right. sort of none, and, none of that. And I think uh I think point. some of the sequels, you know, fall into that I'm trap. Sure, sure. Um but here the first, you know, uh 20 minutes is just about Bruce Willis coming to LA and trying to reconnect with his estranged wife and all of the issues that they're going through and also her work and and how she prioritized work over him and he's a little he's too insecure to appreciate that at first um and he wants her to come back and he doesn't like that she's uh is going by her maiden name and there's all these issues going on um and there's this whole movie developing about their relationship and then this 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 <laughs> other plot just collides into the movie yeah yeah and all, it's all really the, genius all of a because of yeah because that plot essentially uh, ends up being the thing that uh brings them back together yes. you know over time uh but but the the movie is wildly reckless in the way that this it doesn't prep you for it at all it doesn't you know um uh, 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 telegraph what it's about to do. Nope. Uh, you are just at a company party with these these uh, two people who clearly still love each other but are estranged and have issues they're working with, and then a van full of bank robbers mm-hmm. slash quote unquote terrorists. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, shows up and just collides into this movie that has been going on for 20 minutes. I mean, it's really an incredible yes. moment when the two things collide together. Just like a gentle pushback. I think you'd agree. Please. Like, uh, I think that nothing uh, reckless necessarily about this choice. I think that building this emotional stakes is what makes the movie so beautiful and pay off and, and work so effectively is instead of investing in getting everybody hyped up about our action set pieces, we're going to get everybody invested in this relationship so that every single beat of the movie, we know exactly why John's doing what he does. And we that's why it pays off so beautifully at the end, yeah. At the end, I cried a little bit. I cried at the end of Die Hard a little bit. Good for you. Reckless was a, was was not a great word choice. I think what I meant to say was that I like. Um, I think a, a part of this podcast is about us finding out what makes a movie good, right? Whether yeah. it comes from the mainstream, whether it comes from the art house. And I think one thing we keep seeing is that good movies don't obsess over uh, the audience. Like they don't obsess over the audience, like being on board with everything yeah. all the time. Like, Honestly, like, oh God, no, the God. audience doesn't know this. So we got to tell them Ugh. this. Oh no, no, no. The movie has ultimate conviction in what it's doing. 
and you come along for the ride. And that's, I think, what I liked about not telegraphing the bank robbers. Because, of course, you know from the poster and the trailer, some yeah. shit's going to go down. Don't worry but about if it. you are just being honest with yourself it's and watching the movie from the beginning, yes, you go 20 minutes without any action things happening at all, right? You have no idea what's going to happen. You're just watching a, a marriage sort of unravel and try to put itself back together. And then out of nowhere, this it, it's, it's almost as though it's almost as though they so like true. their marriage difficulties like manifested almost in a way. It's mm-hmm. almost like this sort of external oh, manifestation, right? Of because yeah. it comes right at that point where they almost reconnect, and then yeah. he's kind of an asshole, and he brings up some some old wounds, right? And then yeah, they're back to definitely. square one with the arguing and this and that, and then that sort of manifests this this whole action plot that comes in and then he has to fight through the action to get back to her at the end. Um, so let's look at this clip of, uh, but that also like what I don't like about that is it minimizes Rickman because Rickman is not just some plot functionary. Rickman is, is, is this is one of the great villains. Of all I think time he just here. picks up the ball and keeps, I think everything you said is hundred percent right. Yes. He's, he's just like my turn. He's on the elevator with the uh, uh, president of the company here. Nice I, I adore Rickman. John Phillips, London. I have two myself. Rumor has it Arafat buys his there. Love all these throwaway lines. Everybody thinks they can do what Rickman does as Hans Gruber, where they're the like cool, like affable, but you know, in charge, but also scared. You know, they, they, I, I, I've never seen just a fuller villain in an action film who just essentially is hitting the beats of the villain, but Rickman fills that chalice to the brim. With red freaking wine of a performance. Well said. You love this guy. You hate this guy. You're pulled in by him. You know he's a clown. All those things combined. Brilliant. He's quoting Shelley. (laughs) This movie's having a blast. Also, this movie has some serious laughs in it, which is awesome. This movie's very funny. Benefits of a classical education. He's a very insecure oh. villain, too. He's always yes, trying yes. to remind you that he's smart, that he's totally. ahead of the game, that he's funnier than you are. When I was a boy, the exactness, the attention to every conceivable detail. It's beautiful. It's this is what this is all about. Our project in Indonesia. Everyone's always trying to oversimplify Rickman to turn him into a one-dimensional villain, and he keeps reminding you, I had a boyhood, I had dreams, I had an education, I'm funnier than you are, I'm smarter than you are. I like for as much as he planned out his heist, there's all these little, like, elements of... I read that in a magazine. He uses that device a couple of times. He's sort of cavalier about how he tricks the police later in the film and these things. So for someone who's as scrupulous and well thought out, he he also has a, his arrogance is his, his downfall. That's true. Cause everyone wants to, yeah, everyone wants to pigeonhole him. The cops, the cops in the media want to call him a terrorist. He's really not. He's there to rob a bank. He was kicked out of his terrorist group because yeah. presumably he wasn't a true believer. He was just, he just wanted money and fame and recognition. Yeah. Um, but then he later plays on that misinterpretation and pretends to be a terrorist in order to buy some time by sending them down this wormhole of like I want these people freed and these people freed interested in your computer but I need the code key because I am interested in the 640 million dollars in negotiable bearer bonds that you have locked in your vault he's so deliberate the computer controls money 
kind of terrorist are you? <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? <laughs> All right, we can stop there. Um, and I, one thing that surprised me about this movie is there, there's a fair amount of like social political context to it that, that it's not necessary for your enjoyment of the film or your reading of it. But I, I found it kind of interesting and delightful and interesting little element to, um, uh, there's almost a feel of kind of like at times of like network or those seventies satires where like, you know, when you go, uh, when they go to the newsroom and the journalists, they're kind of buffoonish and like, Definitely. there's some real social satire going on that I don't think I remembered, um, from my previous viewings, probably cause I was much younger when I watched it. Um, but this is happening kind of in that, you know, that, that eighties age of terrorism and you have the IRA and you have, you know, uh, uh, the, he mentioned Arafat, so the Palestinian liberation army, you know, you have a, a lot of kind of, um, I feel like this is the era when terrorism is is entering yeah, is entering the language. Because we invested in it, right? No, it, yeah. yeah, and 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 so and so this movie it's seems to be having fun with um, a sort of the, the the panic and the frenzy of labeling everything as terrorism. Yes. Whereas this guy is just there to rob the bank. He said, "Who who said anything about terrorism? Mm-hmm. I'm just here for the money." Um, but then later, like we said, cleverly kind of exploits everyone's fears of of terrorism whatever that meant to them uh to to play a little joke on and, and it has some great lampooning of of you know the, the businessmen yep. and john mcclane you know he's not on the side of the business he's not on the side of the terrorists he just wants to save his wife and that's why the movie's so compelling and so fun let's watch next a straight up action sequence uh, let's go to forty nine thirty. this is the elevator shaft sequence um, I have such like as much as we watch this with fresh eyes, I have such like memories of this movie from uh, watching as a kid. I mean, just like every action sequence, every every like act of violence was like imprinted on my memory. It came roaring back to me. Every Do you know why? every person that gets shot and the way they get shot, like it's such a. This was maybe the first violent movie I remember okay. watching. Cool, and I think it's because it's such a good movie. It yeah. kind of gets a pass in terms of totally you know, being suitable for kids yeah. because there's such. There's such character and such richness to it. But this is a violent fucking movie. I mean, yeah. people get blown to bits. It's just so fun and good. That's why it's like it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. People do watch it with their families and stuff. Yeah. And, it, it, and, it, and it really is fun. All right. So let's go ahead and watch uh, Bruce Willis in this damn elevator shaft. How's he going to get out of this one? He sort of wedged his this machine gun into the, into the elevator shaft and he's lowered himself down. Some gorgeous shots too. That overhead shot is really nice. Muscles. He's hanging on for dear life. How long is that gun gonna hold? Hans is getting nervous. You can see how Rickman kind of modulates his, his. He starts to speak faster, a little more hurried. He's not as composed as he was earlier in the film. Bruce Willis reaching towards another open elevator shaft. Well, that gun is about to snap. I love this big, bad, scary, blonde terrorist. Like the, the chief scary guy, this guy. Yeah, Alexander Godunov. Alexander Godunov. I love at the end when he comes back, he's like, ah! He pops up and wolf for one more. to get a classic line here. Bruce Willis has wedged himself into the air duct. 
reaches behind him, pulls it out of Zippo. Clicks it open. Cool, good shot. Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Alright, we can stop there. Awesome. This movie really is funny. He has so many good one-liners. I love when he's on top of the 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 roof. And he calls the police, and he's like on an emergency line, like, "Oh my God, there's terrorists taking over our building!" And the police is like, "Sir, you got to call nine one one. This is an emergency. This is a line for emergencies." And then he says, uh, "Lady, does it sound you know, or motherfucker, does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza?" Yeah, and I, you know, lol. And because they're consistent with it, you believe it. I mean, he is in. He is. He, he has narrowly escaped death here. I mean, he is he is at death's door, yes. and he still has the composure to to say that line. But at this point, it's you so are funny. you are bought in, and if you're not, I don't know what to say to you. But at this point, either. you are you are if you're watching this movie like I watched it, you are bought in. Like when, when you watch this movie, you know what you're going to watch, right? You're going to watch an action movie, right? Okay, right. and then this movie just gives you perfect action movie stuff. I love it. I love that scene. And it just builds from there. I don't know what scene we're watching next, but can I just, we watch some of these other things he does. Yeah. Well, and, and real quick too, I mean, cause we, we got to start, we got to start Joe at some point. We got to start boring um, in. We got to start comparing too, because I mean, the thing about, I mean, cause John Dealman is all about defeating your expectations of what a movie is going to be. This movie is the, one of the best examples there is of, yes. of rewarding your expectations. Yep. It is everything you think it's going to be, yep. but it nails every beat. So the, the the I don't know what, what do you want to call it, the predictability of it is not a um is it, it, not a is not a negative thing if anything it's the it's it this is movie is good there are a few movies that are really good at being familiar and at being predictable and at being exactly what you think it's going to be this movie's got to be at the top of the list of just nailing genre conventions um, nailing these little lines in between because how many yeah, I mean. Right. Mm-hmm. That is a comical moment that we've seen a hundred times done poorly of of, uh, violence, 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 action, 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 stop, uh, silly line, Mm -hmm. violence, 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 right? But this movie nails its silly little lines in between the action. Definitely. I also think that for the word predictable, despite it definitely hitting the beats we expect it to, crescendoing when it's we expect it to, ending how and when we expect it to, all of the specifics, the cho- the action choices are so delightful or so um, well executed and yeah, so yeah. exciting. Yeah, predictable is not a satisfying um, No, it's okay word. though. I yeah. think I know what you mean. Like, it's very, it's the structure might be familiar to you, but the specifics are yes. so uh, in, uh, funny, engrossing, well done, cool. It's like form, they build formula character. at a high level. They build, formula at a very high they level. They build character while they're doing the action bits. Just the the way the way that they choose for it to all go down. You know, it's well structured, but it's it's really really original. I think, and yeah. I think just like you're saying, like oh, those throw the, all the comedy lines that were so you know there is predictable ones like. In, in action movies, like I can hear them rattling around my skull, the, the things that we hear every, oh, the nerd hacker say, oh, the right. thing that the McLean wannabe says and all those beats. But in this movie, um, it, it has a perfect structure, but all of the specifics are totally, totally joyful. And a lot of those movies are are cribbing from Die Hard or trying to be oh, Die totally. Hard. So, you know, we can't let Die Hard suffer from its um, imitators, yeah. right? I mean, so... Judged on its own merits, though, it is just a, a a wonderful example of how of how formula and genre can work and yeah. not become 
stale or no. uninteresting or or predictable. I think that was the wrong word. Yeah. Uh, really quick on Alexander Gudinov. That's uh, Rickman's main heavy in the movie. Love that guy. He was a, get this, a Russian-American ballet dancer. He was actually in the Bolshoi Ballet wow. and became the troupe's premier dancer. That's awesome. In 1979, he defected the United States uh, and then started to work in the movies. Um, he was also most famously in Witness. Wow. That's where I remember seeing him in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. great movie. Speaking one of, of the Amish uh, guys speaking in Ford. Witness. Yeah. That is great. And one last thing I'll say before we get to the, our comparison is another great element of this movie that's just part of every action movie, but this movie does it the best is, I love that score, Brett. I love that score. Yeah. I love how they have those little tiny phrases of Christmas music throughout. The way this movie uses Christmas yeah. is fucking awesome. I know it's sort of like an overdone thing. Oh, it's a Christmas movie. Ha 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 ha. You know what? It is a Christmas movie. And it and I love and the reason that it is a Christmas movie, I'm gonna give credit to the score. Yes, there's little Christmases, this and that's, but I love the way that the score sews in those little moments. And at the when the bank vault is opening and joyful, joyful, we adore thee starts blasting through that score. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I could eat this with yep. a big spoon all day long. I love this movie. This movie rocks. And the the song that opens the movie, Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC, Run DMC's Christmas song. Yeah, it's so effective. So much fun. Just so, so much, much fun. fun. It's, it's, it's an amazing movie. And I did cry at the end. Just not like a big cry. Just like a little like I actually put my head down on my desk and I just sort of like welled up a little bit because I was like, thank fucking God that I can still be surprised and delighted by just excellent quality filmmaking and teamwork. Both these movies gave me such joy. Yeah, you had a great time this week. I love these movies. You had a wonderful movies. time at the movies were, this week. I had an amazing time at the movies. I wish they all were like these movies. If every art house movie was like Jean Delmont and every popcorn flick was like Die Hard, yeah. you know how good this podcast would be? I'd be sitting here every week shaking my little tail. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can't believe there's not some sort of caveat to the rules where we can put both, you know, no that, way. Like, once a year we can't put, we can put both in the canon. I Dude, mean, this that's is the, really, this is the, okay. Now, all right. We paint ourselves in the court. Talk all about right. stakes. Let's couple let's, more. Let's, oh, let's watch okay. a couple more Sorry. scenes here. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just getting so excited. Um, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. The judgment day is, is nigh. Uh, but first let's watch, um, let's, let's watch Rickman and Willis together. Yeah. Together. Oh, I love this part. Um, so this is, uh, uh, 5840 around 5840. Not not physically together. There's the scene later where, okay. where uh, Rickman pretends to pulls be. Pulls the old fat. Or actually, um, McLean pulls the old fast one. Uh, this is the here. first time they interact, though, over the over the um, uh, walkie-talkie. So, uh, um, uh, it was inevitable. And it happens, necessary. So let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until further... Oh, I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. I figure since I waxed Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. Rickman's like intrigued. Rickman lo loves the gamesmanship. It's very kind of you. For a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? No, oh, he's like, what? This guy's cracking what? jokes. Yeah, I'm the funny cracking one. Wise? What is this? Mm, he's he's met his match. The Battle of Wits. This movie's about New York versus right, L.A. Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. 
Got some C4 right there. Check on all the others. Don't use the radio. See if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Great stuff. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne. Oh, fun. Love it. Dylan. Kind of telling the audience to shut the fuck up and enjoy. Rogers, actually. I love that. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Hey, motherfucker. All right, let's go. There. Come on. This movie's fun Come as hell. On. Come on. This movie's fun as hell. All right. Are we going to pick a movie or what? Like, we got to talk about this. This is hard. All right. There's so many other great I'm, teams I'm in sorry. Die Hard. I'm but sorry. I think I, I'm, 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 that's all my fault, Brett. I'm careening towards this decision because no, I'm know. agonized. I know. I know. And um, I can sit here all day and tell you how great Brit Die Hard is, but, you know, I think everyone's seen it. And if you have this, this, this Christmas or this Christmas, Christmas isn't in July, some people do, or just tomorrow, watch this movie. It is a trip. I, I'm afraid to watch the other Die Hards. I also don't want to. I also don't want to stack the deck. I don't want to watch too many scenes from Die Hard and not be fair to John Dale, uh, Dale Man, which we only saw you know a couple scenes from. So I think this is a good stopping point. I think we have come to the part of the show where we have to make a decision. This is agonizing. This is excruciating, but it has to be done. One of these movies is going to go in the canon. Yeah, is going to join Weekend at Bernie's and mm-hmm. In the Mood for Love, mm-hmm. and the other one is going to go in the trash canon with the Seventh Seal and uh, She's Out of My League, which is. <laughs> Wildly disrespectful to the Seventh Seal. Oh fuck off! But that's Seventh Seal. It's wildly disrespectful to one of these two movies. That's uh, uh, Seventh Seal. I don't give a shit. One of these two movies. Though, these movies are actually good. Seventh Seal. <laughs> I'm gonna give a C. These movies are A's. These movies are A's. That that's recency bias. These movies are A's. Watch Seventh Seal. Well, you can't. I can't. We can't. Guess what? For the rest of my life, I'm gonna walk around and go. That movie's a C. <laughs> And you'll never have evidence to the contrary because you never you can't even know, watch a scene for the rest from of my it. life. People will be like, "What?" Um, okay, all right. Here movie, we go. Okay. Go ahead. So here, start here, us here, off. Here, here, what, what are you thinking? Yes. Okay. Here's the thing. Die Hard is going to be obviously part of your life every year um, around Christmas time. It's going to be mentioned. Not if we put it in the trash Watching, cannon. No, listen. I'm just saying. Okay, this okay, is why okay. it's difficult. I'm saying. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not ah, starting with which movie's better. I'm okay, saying. Okay, 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 Die Hard. We talked about last week. If this comes on in a bar, you got to leave the bar. If your son wants to watch the movie right. with you, you got to say, "I'm so sorry, sorry son." son. You're out of luck. You, you go watch with your with your mother upstairs, which just sounds fun and nice. But um, you know, you can't you can't enjoy Die Hard with him. And uh, the thing about Jean Delman is, oh, how many more? Like, you think every freaking movie we're going to watch is going to be as good as that? I've seen maybe seven movies as good as that. So that's the thing is, like, you are gonna you're pulling like, this isn't just some basic choice. There's lots of movies like Die Hard. There is no movie yep. like Jean Delman. I well, but, but there's a lot of movies like Die Hard in terms of genre, in terms of yep. formula. But I don't know. I, agree. I don't know if any of them are as good. In no, that, in like a I'm straight up action thriller, I don't know if anything uh, matches. Maybe it. there's like three other ones we could mention. But I, I agree with you so much on that. Here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing that's very interesting about this week. I've still not made my decision. Yeah. Uh, I thought. Jean Delman was it was was like we said straight up masterpiece. Uh, it's a movie that I'm still spinning my wheels about uh, as to what it I'll means think about it as to as to I don't care about how to means. how to how to sort of 
get I just want to get it's a movie that I want to get closer to and it, and it and it and it constantly kind of eludes me. So I'm yeah. fascinated with it. Um but here's the thing. I don't even know I might not never even if we pick it for the canon, I might never watch that movie again. It is a long demanding watch. Let's be honest with ourselves. That, that is where it is a long I'm, demanding I'm, watch. I'm, but yeah. I still might pick it for the canon knowing that I'm never going to watch it again because that's not the criteria. The criteria is which movie we liked better, which movie we oh. thought was the better movie, right? So I might I can't do so I don't want to do some strategic, you oh, know, okay. I, like I might that. never right. I, like Die Hard's always going to be on TV, so I picked that just or you no, know. No, 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 no. I'm saying uh, but that's so I'm true. just saying that okay, like I'm, I'm just saying you. that I am we're, we're kind of mapping out every aspect of this. We can't make a strategic decision like that. I'm not going to make a strategic decision like that. I might pick John Dale Man and still never watch it again, is my point. But I'm going to pick the better movie. I'm going to pick what I think is the better movie. Okay, that's very admirable, and I'm willing to walk down that road with you. Um, okay, let's consider – okay, which movie is better? Let's, yes. Like, is rewatchability a factor in how good you think a movie is? Or does Gene Delman literally throw no. that in your fucking face? I think absolutely not. Okay. Because there are movies that I've watched that are you want something you want you know, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. Okay. All right. I I I've only watched There Will Be Blood once and it was in theaters. What? I think There Will Be Blood is the is you've only the, seen it once uh, top five, maybe the best movie of uh, the twenty first century. I, love I think it's it. an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. I have only watched it once, and that once was when I watched it in theaters on opening weekend, and I sat in the theater for five minutes after the movie was over, just sitting there. I have not watched it again since then. And okay. there is something about there was something about the other the other movie of the last like twenty years that was like that for me was Moonlight. There will be blood in Moonlight. I sat there afterwards for about five okay. minutes. I have not rewatched either one. Mm-hmm. I think they are both like absolute masterpieces. Yeah some of the best two films of the 21st century, but there are certain types of movies that I almost don't want to, I'm not saying I totally get them. I'm not saying I, I, I sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, understood everything about them. I'm not saying I have a complete comprehension of them. What I'm saying is that I had an experience watching them that I don't want to interfere with, with a, with an additional watch that I want to maintain my original watch in, 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 in glass in the past wow. and never, um, uh, that's so interesting. Undermine it or, or sort of uh, elaborate upon it or change it in any, in any way with an additional viewing. And so I don't think, hmm. I don't know. I don't think rewatching, there are some movies that they're just, they're just, here's the ultimate point. There are some movies that, that demand, encourage rewatching. There are others that I think resist rewatching. Because there was such an experience to the viewing of them the first time. And I don't think – so I don't think rewatching by itself, rewatchability has anything to do with the quality of a movie. That's my point. That's That's not a criteria for me. That's awesome. Rewatchability is not a criteria. I love that. I've always considered it definitely part of my criteria, but I really love your – that's very beautiful. And John Dillman might be one of those. This weird six-hour nocturnal viewing I had of it. I I love that and I I agree or I think that that's very interesting. But let's – here's my question to you. What movie do you like better? What movie do you like better? What movie did you like better? And just here's the thing. We'll just gotta be honest. What movie did you like better when you were watching the movie? And now, of course, when you sat with it for a minute, which movie do you like better? Die Hard or Jean Jean Delmian? Which movie did you like better? Die Hard or Jean 
Delmian. Delmen. What movie did you like better? God, I'm so in my head right now. I know. Okay, wait. Let's check. Okay, all right. Here, I'll, I'll, let's let's I'll, I'll, I'll say some pros and some cons really quick. Yeah, just no, to no, look, let's let's go back. Think about, okay, think about look, Gene. This is Twelve okay, Angry yeah, Men, yeah, baby. Fine. Okay, right, Twelve Angry Men. You've got me. Okay. Now we're in the the middle of Twelve either. Angry Men. All right, so you got you brought up a brilliant point. But in Twelve Angry Men, when they need to reset, they go. All right, let's just go back to the facts. Tell, tell me about here's the glasses. Okay, here's the facts. Here's the facts. Here's the facts. This woman hates orgasming so much. Okay, here's the facts. Jean Delman. Okay, here. Imagine some of these washing over you. Yep. She pulls out from her from her sock from the from the grocery store. She gets her veal cutlet. She unwraps it. She lays out the flour. She lays out the eggs, and she you know whatever else you do. And she puts the veal and the eggs, and then she runs it through the flour, and she runs it through the breadcrumbs, and puts it aside. And then she runs it through the thing, and runs it through the breadcrumbs, and puts it aside. And then she runs it through the veal, and she puts it to the cream, and then she puts it aside. And then she turns around. This is what this is what's so good. Because then she turns around and like puts it in the oven. You're like, oh my god, this is amazing. How about when the, the woman drops the, Nobody had made a movie yeah. like this before. Chantal Lockerman. She comes out of she comes out of the uh, you know the field of experimental filmmaking, short films, things that would play in the MoMA. She kind of comes it, out. It, of that I background. know that all sounds bad, but, but really this said, movie is good. She said no, but the, she said I want to. I want to sort of take everything I've learned from experimental filmmaking, but add a, just the, the the sort of thinnest veneer of structure to it. I want to make a feature film, but I want to make a feature film that that marries narrative filmmaking with experimental filmmaking. She was a true visionary. The Belgian government gave her one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Basically, said, "Go ahead, do do whatever you want." She creates an absolute masterpiece. Okay. I completely what agree. What a stunning achievement. What it, an absolutely stunning so achievement. It is so beautiful. Just shots of her sitting in her kitchen, silently staring at like the, the at, at the table. You know, God forbid I call her sad and lonely. Just her, you know, her and her son you just sitting. Call sad and lonely. Her it's and, fine. The her, movie, the movie, the movie doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't even blink. Her and her son sitting at dinner, you know, eating soup. And then she clears the plates. And then she, you know. Then she folds the tablecloth and puts those napkins away. And then it's time to dust through the cabinet. And then she has to go. And just all of the chores and just how I mean, I don't know about you, but I was just so gleeful watching all these chores. And I and, and there's there's no movie I've, I've ever seen. There's no movie I've seen that's quite like it in its audacity to make me sit there and watch a woman do chores. But now let's talk about Die right, Hard. Now do Die Hard. We've seen how many action movies you've seen? Just a billion, right? And don't you just Too kind many. of sit there in your head and you're I like, I grew up on TBS and, 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 and TNT. I'll paint a fucking picture for you. It's Friday night. It's been a long week at work. You go home. You know, uh, Amy and your son are, are are long are long gone. You you enter your lonely you know abode. They're what? happy. What? Oh what? Okay, no. Oh, go sorry, ahead. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, so you, yeah, you yeah. go home after a long a long week. Okay, okay. And. Um, you sit like down. They're asleep, or they've they've left. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't live your life. Terrifying. So you go home okay. and you sit down, and it's time for Friday night. Like I gotta just fucking relax and watch something just like just fucking fun. Right, right, and right, guess right, what? Right, they're right, they're right, they're giving you you know Kong versus Godzilla. They're giving you fucking Joker four. They're giving you gosh darn. You know, you're, it's like Fuck here's off. some action movies you're gonna watch. Oh, it's like oh, it's Chris Hemsworth as like a soldier. Oh, look, it's John Krasinski's Jack Reacher. Remember that, remember that movie Black Hat where he played a hacker? I'm yeah, like, it's like here's a, here, kidding oh, me? oh, you guys like action movie, and you're like, all I want to do is just watch like a good action movie, and then you're like, what, what, what? But guess what? Somebody already perfected the genre, which I would say was one of my favorite genres. Perfected the genre with something so fun and great. Some things that happen in this movie: Bruce Willis 
tapes C4 explosives, wraps a television to a desk chair, wraps the cord around, throws it down the elevator shaft, and blows out the entire base of the building. It is so funny and so spectacular. How about his relationship with, with the cop who killed the kid? The beautiful cop who killed the kid and how fun and nice their dynamic was, how heartwarming it was. How about John How about John just like smoking a cigarette, walking across glass, tricking Hans Gruber, saving his, his wife? Um, and, and, and at the end, everything ties together so perfectly, and his wife punches the, the the news the shitty newsman in the face and it just the Christmas music comes on and you're like thank you this is why I got involved with movies in the first place that when I was sitting there as a boy this is what I thought every movie was going to be and all they've been serving you sh- since is just is just pale imitations and you could have the real freaking thing for the rest of your life you think they're going to make something as good maybe one or two right, they I'm make ready. a John Wick or whatever I'm ready. You know, blah 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 I'm okay ready. I'm very I made excited my decision. have you okay. made yours I actually have made my decision okay I think we should – I think for this one, I think because it is so tense, I literally have no idea which way you're going to go with this. I think we should write our answers down. Okay. And reveal them at the same time. I don't have a pen. All right. So we're going to oh, take – my a, phone? Uh, oh, take a break? Yes. No, let's put okay. them on our oh, phone. All right, okay. All right, all right. Let's uh, type them out in big letters. Use that big font on Notes app. I'm so excited. I have no idea yeah. what you're going to pick because just to be clear, folks, Brett, these movies are A's. These movies are so good, right? These you, movies you are so good. These films, okay? I, um, I had a brief – I will say I had a brief epiphany at the very end – of of your monologue there, which was an excellent monologue, Thank by you. the way. I appreciate that. I had a brief epiphany, and now I am making this decision with absolute conviction, with with absolute, um, I absolutely sincerity and belief love, and I love confidence. That. Now, in myself. if we're different, if we're different ones, what do we do, Brett? We kick it to the fans. Is that correct? That's right. We kick it to the fans. If we choose different movies, because we can only ultimately have one decision. If if Joe and I have picked different movies. We will on our Twitter follow us at Weekend Bergman. That's we, Weekend yep. Bergman. Yep. We will put up a poll, and you will decide. You will decide. And just as we are being honest, and we are looking at every aspect of this as it pertains to which movie is better, which movie we enjoy better. I like that. You have to be honest as well. Okay. Yep. So don't make a decision. Don't say which one it is. Unless it, until you've watched the movies, until you've uh, listened to this podcast, until you've considered all the elements, and then you will decide. Oh That's God, if we pick wait, different movies. I'm That's if we pick my different mind movies right now. Okay. Hold on, this is the better movie. Which movie is better? Yes, yes. I am ready to go. I feel. All right, I'm ready to go too. I, right. I, I, I'm at peace with this. All right, uh, you're gonna put yours to camera. I'll yep, put mine yep, to yep. camera. All right, one, two, three, go. No way. Wow. We picked different wow. movies. I love that. Wow. I picked John Dale I really Man respect your choice. And Joe picked Die Hard. I respect your choice Thank so you. much. Yeah. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Here's, here's where the moment of clarity came to me. Yeah, talk to me. Bruce Willis, his, 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 his confidence, his charisma, his ingenuity, not even death, not even certain death can get Bruce Willis, right, in mm, Die Hard. Okay. Uh, Hans Gruber can't get, uh, definitely can't it, beat him. He, 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 Nothing can beat him. Can't bring him down. Death itself, you know, death from the seventh seal. If they were playing chess, Ugh, Bruce Willis would win, kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. Not even death can get at Bruce right. Willis. That's right. He is bigger than life, right? He is, ma- he is a He's John movie Wayne, star masculinity yeah, yeah. in bright lights at the highest level, mm-hmm. right? You know what would bring Bruce Willis down mm. is the... Mm inscrutable, exquisite interiority of Jean Dillman. Jean Dillman mm-hmm. would take down Bruce Willis. Jean well, Dillman, I, I think, that, is ultimately about... I think Jean Dillman is ultimately about... Um, I don't know which char- I didn't know it was which characters would win in a fight. 
Because I'd, be, I'd be right in your ballpark. I'm, I'm right in your corner. I'm, I'm comparing not just, I'm not just doing some little party trick. I, I don't am, think you I'm are. I'm comparing the, the, the ultimate thematics of the two movie. And I think Jean Delman is about, is about feminine interiority and agency. And I think Die Hard is ultimately about male performativity. Amen to both and of I that. Think, That's so And true, I think Brett. ultimately at the end, I picked, I think female interiority defeats male performativity. I went with Jean Delman. I love that. It's so true. That really is like a great distillation of the two movies. I went with Die Hard because I liked the ending more and it made me cry. And the ending of Jean Delman, I was like, you know, I get it. And trust me, this is the Jean, Jean Jean Delman is the only movie that ever earned its ending, right? Like, wow, did it build that up correctly and earn it? I loved that. But I think a little tiny part of me was just like, I just missed the part where she was doing the chores, and now she's like, "You love the chores." Some big, I loved the chores. Be and honest, I, if I, I had yeah. never, t- if I had never brought up the orgasm angle, would yeah, that yeah. have no, changed no, no. your opinion? No, 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 no. no. Okay. My still, my, my one of my, I, I did have a little tiny in my heart, like, oh, she's not gonna like do a fucking thing at the end, is it? And she did a thing at the end, and that's cool. Um, it was startling for me to read Chantal Ackerman uh, say that explicitly about the movie, but I ended up ultimately liking it because it just like I thought I had one thing I really like about the movie, I thought I had kind of come to the end of an interpretation and then Chantal just threw me right back into the, into the maelstrom of, of unknowing at the I, center of this movie. And I liked that. I, 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 that. I love that. I think that the, the, again, these are both A's. These are, these are just two A movies. The reason I went with Die Hard wasn't because the end of, it was a little bit like the ending was just a little tiny bit like, and the ending of Die Hard, I was, I put my head down on the table and cried for the, for the death of the movies. God bless. But I think the reason I picked Die Hard is, um, a, a million folks have tried to pull the sword out of the stone. Yeah. And this movie, from beginning to end, every actor, every decision, every the composers, the costumes, the directing, the the the, the effects, um, they execute every element perfectly. And I don't want. I, I enjoyed it a bit more because uh, I did. And, and guys, I loved watching Gene do, do all We both loved both of these movies. I know. This is really hard for me. I just picked it because I think if I was being honest with myself, which one did I, did I gotta think be was honest. better? Which you one did be I honest. like more? I was I was floored by how much I like Die Hard. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to like it that much. I was yeah. actually, after watching Gene, I was 100% like, I'm going to pick this one. Because yeah. Die Hard is going to be an A-. And right. Die Hard isn't an A-. It is an A. It's an A. And A-. it is plus. so fun and brilliant. And... Um, they don't. I, it made me nostalgic for the movies. The, I, the, the, this image I have in my head of of Chantal Ackerman getting her hundred and twenty thousand whatever dollar grant from the government, going and finding a little apartment in Belgium, shooting her movie in five weeks, and then just bringing the fucking film world to its knees. I I fucking love that. I, I'm 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 so enchanted by and agree with you. I think I think that folks. I think what I will say in defense of me, I'm having a bit of trouble articulating it. Is watch both these A movies. You'll say, okay, great. Thank you very much. This is a great way to spend your time. And I just wonder how many of y'all, and I think we'll find out in the poll. Um, it's a really hard choice. Which movie do you think is better? Which movie do you like more? Yeah. I, I this just is a have hard to decision. Go, I don't think, I don't like think Rickman, you're struggling to, like, I just think it's I have a, a very hard decision. I, very, I like your, I like um, what you're saying. I think it's a very hard decision. I don't think they, uh, I don't think they make 
movies like that anymore. And I think when they do, they're super fun. And God bless uh, the Fast and the Furious movies. And I love all that. But, you know, this movie doesn't have anybody, you know, going to space and, you know, no aliens coming to Earth. No. I mean, it's a huge. The stakes are tremendous. But there's something grounded about it. And it's based in that relationship. And it's based. And that's what makes it hum and sing. Yeah. I feel like so many movies lost that. Um, and it's just all about the set pieces and the big action pieces and the. And this movie is Joe. A, I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling that. you know. I think I we feel, both feel a little bit of self doubt. I really do. I mean, I'm glad, it's a hard to, I'm glad to throw this to the fans. I had I, love a, the fans. I had a last second bolt of of clarity that I went with, but that does not mean I am not plagued with self doubt right now. I'm guessing myself right now. This doesn't mean I am not uh, uh, worried about the possibility of a world in which I can no longer watch the movie Die Hard. Um, that would be rough, but it would also be yeah. That's kind of also a good point. But that's like, ultimately, I would that like is to just watch the again. that's just the outcome. That's not the criteria for making this decision. I like we can't that. let the outcome become the criteria. So no, we can't no, no. let if, no, no, if no, no, the no, criteria no, 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 no. is what is the better film? Was the film we liked more? Those are that's kind of the dual criteria, and we sort of we float around in that world. But the the uh, the canon, the trash canon, that's just the outcome of our decision, mm. and we can't let that influence our decision. I had a big smile smile on my face throughout both movies. Yep, uh, I just think that. Die Hard made me smile with my with just the peaks of my of my lips. That just smile like, just went just, a little higher. Just like smile just went a little higher. A little bit lo- higher. I was actually I was just floored by both movies. What do you think? I hope every week is like this. I hope every week yeah. I'm agonized and terrified. And I'm very excited that fans. And by the way, fans, remember what Brett just said. It's so important. This is your favorite. Of these two films, the film you gotta think is be better. Honest. This You've is gotta not. Be oh, honest. let's torture Joe and Brett by nope. picking. You gotta be uh, honest. Don't torture us. Just tell us which one you like more. Play along. Be honest. Very, very excited to see what everybody says. Thank and you. speaking of next week, uh, we're coming back next week with another great duo. And this is uh, this is the first pairing that was suggested by a listener. The listener pairings, we, oh. could, we could honestly just do listener, listener pairings for the rest Let's of our run here because they're so good. Uh, we will do we will do intermittently, we'll do listener pairings. Uh, I'm also going to put together, uh, make sure to follow us at Weekend Bergman, A, to chime in on this poll, uh, uh, and B, um, because I'm going to start putting up um, sort of calendars of the next four or five weeks. Because mm. I know people had requested, like, I need time to watch these movies. Yeah, especially I can't these, watch, yeah. watch John Dillman after no, work no, on a no, Tuesday. No, or 1030 um, after your in-laws come over right? for dinner for four and a half hours. Uh, understood. So we're going to start giving you a little more advanced notice. Yes. Um, I don't have that yet. That'll be on social. And then we'll start tying it into each each week's episodes. But next week, I can tell you next week, this is very exciting. This was suggested by Beth Jerky on Twitter. What Beth is it? Jerky. We are going to be watching from the art house, The Red Shoes, Palin Pressburger movie, The okay. Red Shoes. Never seen it. And then from the mainstream, we're going to be watching a uh, movie that was derided, uh, 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 viciously derided on its release, but has since um, become a, a, a favorite of, of several people that I that I trust and that oh. I like. Friends of mine say movie? this is a great movie. Showgirls. Showgirls. Oh. So we're going to be watching wow. um, The Red Shoes. Good luck, The Red Fucking Shoes. V- versus Showgirls. Good luck. Uh, the theme there being, uh, being dance. Yes being shoes um uh so make sure Good to follow luck. us at weekend bergman on social uh you can chime in on this poll what is a better movie jean del man or die hard okay. we will reveal the outcome of that next week i need this out of my hands i'm gonna be in I'm suspense happy, all week though I'm I'm happy. Be, thank I'm, you very pins much and needles all week don't just click Die Hard because you've seen it. Watch Jean Delman. And don't just click John Delman because you want to see like a Die cool uh, oh, yeah. art house, you know, sort of. Have you seen Die Hard recently? Have you seen person. Die Hard recently? It's it's high art, folks. Watch them both. Yeah. Watch them both. Be honest. It's great. Do movies. the process. Go through the process Trust that we the process, went baby. Well, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Forever. Dog. 
This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.